Amen. If you would kindly remain standing in honor of God's word, we are going to Proverbs chapter 23 and then over to the book of Romans, two texts that'll serve as the foundation for our new series, Mental Health Goals. Proverbs chapter 23, verse number seven simply says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And then over in Romans chapter 12, verse number two, the Bible says, do not be conformed to this world. Don't let the world dictate who you are. Don't let the culture dictate what you believe. Don't let the influences around you that are negative determine what God says is right and wrong. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And it's from these two texts that I want to minister to you on the subject, your mind matters more than you think. Your mind matters more than you think. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that he is our teacher and leader and guide into all truth. We pray he speaks right now to the hearts of every single person hearing this message. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, you may be seated. Well, I don't know if you know it or not, but mental health has become a thing, right? Everybody is talking about mental health these days. And part of the reason is because of today's top athletes, they have seemed to have shined a spotlight on mental health. And this is no surprise because top athletes are top athletes because they know how to have a mental edge. And by the way, this is one of the reasons why I, for example, am a superior athlete to Pastor Brandon, even though I'm 10 years older than him, because I know how to have a mental edge. I am a champion track talker. If, if you play me in anything, I will be all up in your head, mess up your game. Exactly what I do to Pastor Brandon. Anyway, mental health has become a thing. And the sports athletes of today are really shining the spotlight on that. For example, Naomi Osaka, she dropped out of the French Open in 2021. She was the number two seed. And here's why she said, she said, I'm having bouts of depression. I need to take time to take care of my mental health. Michael Phelps, you've all heard of him. He's the most decorated Olympian in history. And he had two DUI uh, incidences that he pled guilty to. And after he pled guilty to the second one, he did a sports documentary called The Weight of Gold. And by the way, whenever you're successful in life, how many of you know there's a weight that goes along with that. And then he became a sports uh, spokesman for a particular app. It was a mental health app. And here's what he said in it. He said, for those of you who are struggling with mental health, know that you're not alone because there are days that I want to curl up in a ball and sit in the corner. Serena Williams, perhaps the greatest woman tennis player of all times. She had an unusual match where she lost three sets in 52 minutes. And when she walked off, everybody wanted to know what was wrong. And she told them, she said, I'm suffering from postpartum depression. I feel like I'm not a good mom. And then famously, or perhaps most famously, Dak Prescott of, by the way, the NFC champion Dallas Cowboys, NFC East champion Dallas Cowboys, right? He started a thing called Just Ask for Help. 
Just ask for help. Talking about mental health, right? These athletes have shined a spotlight on the importance of mental health and how it affects our performance in life. But also the times that we are living in have shined a spotlight on mental health. The pandemic that we've been going through, which is spiking again, unfortunately, right now, but how many of you are glad that it has weakened in strength? Amen. Sometimes the news media doesn't tell you about that, just tells you that it's all spiked, and that's true, but it's also weakened in strength, and so we are grateful for that. But this two-year pandemic or so has caused people's mental health to be on the ropes, and one of the reasons is because it has taken away one of what experts call the seven pillars of mental health, one of them being community. And the greatest community to be a part of on a regular basis is the house of God, the church community. It is actually good for our mental health. And so it may seem like mental health has become a thing, but to God, it's always been a thing. God constantly throughout his word has told us the importance of our mind and what we do with our mind. And so I want to share with you some thoughts about why your mind matters more than you think. Number one, our lives follow our thoughts. In Proverbs 23, verse number seven, it succinctly says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's pretty straightforward. Your thoughts manifest themselves in your life. Ralph Waldo Emerson famously said this, so a thought, reap an action. So an action, reap a habit. So a habit, reap a character. So a character, reap a destiny. In other words, our thoughts become our actions. Our thoughts become our habits. Our thoughts become our character. Our thoughts shape our destiny. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says it plainly, but Romans 12 explains why. Romans 12 gives us the nitty gritty on why our mind matters more than we think. Let's look at it. Romans chapter 12 verse number 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. I want you to notice two phrases that tell us the story of why our mind matters more than we think. Number one, the renewing of your mind. And number two, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And let's look at them in reverse order. That you may prove. What does that mean? It literally means you may experience Experience what? The will of God for your life. The good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. These aren't three wills, by the way. God doesn't have three wills for your life. God has one will for your life. And his will for your life is all good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. And here's what this verse is telling us, that in order for us to experience the will of God for our life, the life that God has designed for us to live, which is good, which is perfect, and which is acceptable, we must renew our mind, whatever that is, and we'll talk about that in a second. In other words, you cannot have the life that God wants you to have unless you do this thing called renewing your mind. That is how you prove or that is how you experience the life that God has for you. And this tells us why so many Christians who are saved, who have given their life to Jesus, are not experiencing the life that God wants them to have here on this earth because they haven't yet learned how to renew their mind. Well, what does it mean to renew your mind? Well, specifically, this verse is more than a commandment 
to do this, renew your mind. It's an explanation. And the word new or renew literally means to rewire. There's a field of study known as neuroplasticity. And it has taught us that the brain is literally wired to work a certain way. In other words, in layman's terms, that means over time and through various inputs, our brains get specifically wired in such a way, and then they transmit instructions to the rest of our body that dictate both our actions and our experiences. Now, let me say that a little bit slower. Through inputs, our brain gets wired. What are those inputs? Those are the things that we are exposed to in life the family that we are raised in, the relationship we see between our our mom and our dad, the culture that is around us, the neighborhood that we grow up in, what happens to us in school, what happens to us in relationships, what happens to us that's good, what happens to us that's bad. All of those things become inputs in our life that shape our thoughts and actually wire our brain so that our brain begins to transmit to the rest of our body instructions about how we should act and behave, which ultimately determines the destiny that we experience in this world. And once our brains get wired to work a certain way, unless they are rewired, then they, they cause our lives to go into what's known as automation mode where we continue to do the same things over and over and over and over again, even if we don't want to do those things. Now, I said a lot right there, but let me break it down at your level. Anybody make any New Year's resolutions? Right? And if you haven't, you should. It's not like, it's not like a stupid thing. By the way, if you never have goals, you'll never achieve goals. Right? If you don't shoot for something, you'll never get to where you want to go. You have to set goals. And we might talk about that in this series. And the more manageable and the more winnable your goals are, the more you'll have success and you'll see your life go on a certain trajectory. So I believe in setting New Year's goals. But have you ever heard that most people blow their New Year's goals within like 10 to 20 days? And there's a reason for that. They want to change. We want to lose weight. We want to go to the gym. We want to be nice to the family, to the kids. We want to advance in our career. We want to change our attitude. We want to be more friendly to people. But we find ourselves, after sticking with it for a week or two weeks or three weeks, reverting back to the same behavior that we've done for years. Am I talking to anybody? Is this the condition of humanity? And here's the reason why that. The reason for that is because our brain is, is, is wired in a certain way. And once it gets wired, you are in automation mode where you will begin to revert back to the way that your brain has been wired or the only way to change it is to rewire it. Now, so behavioral modification never produces lasting change. Let me say it again. Behavioral modification. I'm not going to eat cookies anymore. Yeah, good luck with that, right? Okay, behavioral modification never produces lasting change because behavioral modification is the fruit of the problem. It is not the root of the problem. The root of the behavior is in your brain. Your brain has been wired and literally what happens with human beings like you and I is we get stuck 
in ruts. Have you ever heard that, that expression? I'm stuck in a rut. Do you really know what that expression means? It means that you literally are stuck in a rut, a literal rut. How many of you know your brain has ruts in it? Ever see a brain? Right? Ever see the grooves in a brain? Those are brain ruts. And literally what happens in life when we begin to revert back to behaviors that we don't want to do, we're like the Apostle Paul. Remember what the Apostle Paul said? He said, I find myself doing the things that I don't want to do. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? How many of you know Jesus has got answers? Amen? Right? But he said, listen, I really, I want to do what's right, but I find myself not being able to no matter how hard I try. Why? I am stuck in a rut. Now let me give you an illustration of this. I was reading a book that kind of explains the brain just in my spare time. And uh, they were given an illustration of driving in Alaska. And in Alaska, there are only two seasons. There, There's winter and July. That's it. Winter and July. And when the weather gets nice in July, the roads become really, really, really muddy. And, and cars drive on them and they create long ruts. And there is a sign on this one particular Alaskan road. It says, choose your rut carefully. You'll be on it for the next 60 miles. And when you get, when, when a rut gets really deep and your tires are all the way on the inside of the rut, you can let go of the steering wheel and the vehicle will just keep going down that road, stuck in one direction with no options to get out or off until the rut ends. These ruts are an illustration of our brain. Matter of fact, if you look at the brain, like I just said, you got some grooves in it. These are ruts. They're called neuropathways. Neural pathways are created and designed around thoughts that have been internalized and adopted and believed through all of the inputs in life. And once your brain forms ruts, the rut takes over and that's the path that you travel, like it or not. So spiritually speaking, choose your thoughts carefully because you will, they will create ruts and you will be stuck in those ruts for 5, 10, 15, 30, 60 years, your whole entire life, unless you rewire your brain. What is God telling us? He's telling us that our lives follow our thoughts. That our mind matters more than we think. And I love this kind of stuff because I'm a firm believer that the world will eventually prove that everything that God says is true. And I love it when science, this is true science, by the way. It ain't the kind of science that's been floated out there all over the last couple. This is true science. I love it when science confirms the word of God. Science comes along and says, we found out why people do what they do and can't do otherwise. They're called neural pathways. And God's like, duh, been trying to tell you that all along. Your, your, your life follows your thoughts. And your mind matters more than you think. So number two, your mind matters more than you think because our mind is the battlefield. It's not a battlefield. It is the battlefield. It's where the war for you, 
for your life is being fought. It's where the enemy is trying to gain access into your life to destroy you and your destiny. It's where the enemy launches his daily darts. It's where he creates deception so it can become your perception so he can derail your destiny and destroy your life because whether something is true or not is not the issue. The issue is do you believe that it's true? Because once you believe that something is true, you got a rut in your head. And your life is going to follow that thing that you believe is true. This is where the battle is won or lost. The enemy uses deception to create perception. Because if he can create a perception in your head, he can dictate the course of your life. You think I'm gassing this up? Watch this. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 3. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. You cannot win spiritual battles by fleshly means. And this is the problem with the church. The problem with Christians walking in victory is they're trying to accomplish God goals with natural Weapons and, mecha- and mechanisms. And I understand we have to live in the natural, but there are things that God has equipped us to in order to accomplish that, those goals, which go beyond just natural means. They go to spiritual means. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. Watch this, to the pulling down of this thing called strongholds. Everybody say strongholds. Casting down arguments. Everybody say arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, everybody say knowledge. Bringing every thought, everybody say thought, into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We do not war according to the flesh. That's not where the battle is won or lost. The battlefield is your mind. And so we need to understand that we cannot fight the enemy Uh, In the flesh, we've got to go Jedi Knight. we got to go all Yoda on the enemy. Because that's how you win. You win with your mind, with the weapons that God has given you. And notice what the weapons are. They are weapons to pull down strongholds, to cast down arguments, to to pull down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ and to bring every thought into captivity. Strongholds, arguments, knowledge, and thoughts. Strongholds, arguments, knowledge, and thoughts. Strongholds, arguments, knowledge, and thoughts. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Where are these things? Strongholds, arguments, knowledge, and thoughts. They're in your head. They're in your mind. Matter of fact, one version says that these things set up. What does that mean? They, they literally take root in your head. By the way, if you know a good psychologist, ask them if what I'm telling you is true. They'll tell you 100%. But they didn't make it up. God made I knew it before the psychologist knew it. Why? Because I've been studying the word of God a long time. These things get up in your head. They set up things. And so the reason why we are talking about mental health goals, listen to me carefully, is because if you don't win here, you'll never win here. 
You can try all you want to fix a behavior, but I promise you, if you don't change this, you will revert right back to the behavior sooner or later. And so what do you do to experience the life that God wants you to have? You win the battle of the mind. Your problem is not the food. Your problem is not the alcohol. Your problem is not the anger. Your problem is not your spouse. Your problem is not your kid. Your problem is not your whatever. Your problem is the enemy in your head. That's facts right there. And this is why God says things like First Peter chapter 3, verse number 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. What does sober mean? It means to be sober-minded. Why do we need to be sober-minded? Because the enemy is looking for weak-minded people. And weak-minded Christians are the kinds of Christians that the enemy devours. Because the battle is in your mind. It is the battlefield. Second Corinthians 2.11 says, Lest Satan should gain, gain an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. In other words, Satan should not have an advantage over us. He's under our feet. We've been given power and authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm us, right? We have the ability, right, to cast out demons, to have authority over the devil, to trample on his works. We have dominion over him in the name of Jesus, right? But there is a way for Satan to get an advantage over us that he's not supposed to have, right? What's that? It's the mental game. We're not ignorant of his what? His devices. Interestingly enough, the Greek word for devices is the word nomada, and what it means is mind games. And here's how the enemy gets an advantage of God's children who are, who are given authority over him. He plays mind games with us all the time. And all these mind games, what does he do? He uses lies to play these mind games. And so he tells you, you're ugly even though you're a creation of Almighty God and a masterpiece. He tells you you're unworthy, even though you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He tells you you'll never change, although you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. He tells you you're just like your father or just like your mother, even though you've been made in the image and likeness of Almighty God. And the truth is you're more like your creator, your heavenly father, than you are like any other human being on the planet. He tells you you're doomed to fail, even though the Bible says thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. He tells you you're always be fat because you're big boned. I don't have a scripture for that. He tells you success is not for you. Even though the Bible says you're more than an overcomer. He tells you you can't break the addiction. Even though the scripture says whom the sun sets free is free indeed. He tells you you need alcohol. You need drugs. You need porn. You need pot. When the Bible says man shall not live by every by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The only thing that you need is the word of God in your life. He tells you you're not loved but the Bible says you have been loved with an everlasting love. He tells you nobody cares about you or notices you. But the Bible says if his eye is on the sparrow, I know he's watching out for me. He tells you that there is no God. Meanwhile, the handiwork, the creation testifies to the creator. He tells you that the only way to get ahead is to lie and to cheat and to push other people down. Meanwhile, the truth of the word of God is if you become servant to all, you become great. What is he trying to do? He's trying to play mind games with you. Because if he can play mind games with you, he can create ruts 
in your brain. And then if he's create ruts in your brain, you're like a zombie. I really don't want to do this. I really don't want to do this. I really don't want to do this. But I'm doing it. Am I making any sense? I'm, I'm, this, should, this should click. Everybody should be going, oh, this is it, Pastor. This is it right here. This is why I can't kick the habit. This is why I can't move ahead. Yes, this is it. This is God's word. You see, and to make matters worse, he uses the experiences to cause you to take the thoughts and believe them. Your parents got divorced. You thought it was your fault. You internalized that rut. You got raped or abused, and now you're struggling with your identity, rut. You saw your mom or dad addicted, and you think it's normal, rut. You were made fun of in school for being chubby, and so now you have a distorted body image, rut. You don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and all your friends do, and now you think that it's because you're ugly, rut. You lost a loved one, and so now you don't believe there is a God who cares, rut. Lies we internalize and believe as true, Mind games because the devil uses experiences to dig a rut that now has got you bound. Let me explain how this works to you. Let's, let's just say you have a dog, okay, and, and, and you want the dog to, to roam your property, but you don't like the look of fences. And so what you do is you get one of them little, you know, uh, invisible fences and you put, you put the collar on Fido. And then you let Fido out, and Fido is running all about, and an evil cat comes by at the edge of the property. And Fido darts after the evil cat because he knows we've got to rid the earth of all these evil cat animals that are on it. And so Fido goes darting after the evil cat, and when he gets to the end of the property, he gets a shock. And he doesn't, he doesn't know what that is. And so he, he shakes it off. And then, then he darts back after the evil cat because he knows that the only worry the world can be whole is if there are no evil cats out there. And he runs out after it, but as soon as he runs out, Aah! and so now Fido has a rut in his brain. He thinks that every time he goes to the end of the property, he's going to get shocked. And even though he wants to get that evil cat that comes by every day and says, na 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 he won't do it because he believes he can't get the evil cat. There's only one thing Fido doesn't know. When you saw your beautiful, cuddly little dog Fido running towards the cat, and then you saw Fido go, you felt so bad. You said, I can't, I can't do that to Fido. And so you took the collar off and you disabled the invisible fence. And now you let Fido out. And you walk past the invisible fence and you call over to Fido. You say, come on, come on. And Fido, he wants to, he wants to. But he can't because he thinks he's going to get shocked. And so what is his perception, even though it is not his reality, has got him this is what the devil does. He launches lies into our head that keeps us bound, even though they are not true. They are our reality, and they wind up shaping our destiny because a lie believed as true will affect your life as though it were true. Let me say it again. A lie believed as true will affect your life as though it were true. Our mind is a battlefield, and the devil uses lies to keep us bound. But God uses what? Truth to set us free. 
John 8.32 says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, here's the problem. It doesn't say the truth shall make you free. Have you ever tried to, to get through to somebody who is bound by a lie? And, and, and you tell them the truth. The truth is this alcohol will kill you. The truth is the grass isn't greener on the other side. The truth is this is an unhealthy relationship for you. The truth is that there is a sting to this kind of behavior that you will eventually experience. The truth is the truth, and you're telling them the truth, and you're telling them the truth, but they're still bound. And the reason for that, it's not truth that sets people free. It is the truth that you what? Know that sets you free. What does it mean, the truth that you know that sets you free? It's the truth that you internalize. It is the truth that you believe. It is the truth, and we'll look at this in future weeks, that creates a new rut in your brain that uproots the old rut and puts a new rut in there that sets you free. It's the truth that you know. There's a battle going on in your mind between lies and truth. And lies believed impact us as if they were truth that we know. And these lies that don't get demolished are known, according to 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5, as strongholds. Strongholds. What's a stronghold? A stronghold is not just a type of mindset, but it is a mindset that has been dug deep. It comes from the Greek word fortify. In ancient times, a stronghold was a building or a fortress that was built on the top of the highest peak in the city. It was then known as a citadel, and it was surrounded by walls that were up to 20 feet thick. And in times of war, when the city was under attack, the stronghold was often seen as unpenetrable, and this is where the political leaders were hidden so they couldn't be captured. What is God telling us? He's telling us that the leaders of our lives are stuff that is set up in our head. And in order to win in life, we've got to take down the strongholds that are keeping us captive. We've got to demolish them. We've got to unpluck the ruts. You can do whatever you want to do, but as long as the enemy has a stronghold in your head, you will come back to the behavior that you are trying to undo all of the time. In order to win, you've got to destroy the stronghold. In order to win, you've got to destroy the stronghold. The good news is you can. The good news is you can. Matter of fact, say this out loud with me. Say, I can. Come on, say it again. Say, I can. I can. Come on, say it again. I can. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? We're not in this battle alone. And so this brings me to my third and last point. To change our lives, we must change our minds. To change our lives, we must change our minds. Notice again, God says, renew your mind or rewire your mind, which means it can be done. God wouldn't tell you to do something if it was impossible, right? God is not into setting up a goal for you so that you can defeat. When God tells you to do something, it is possible. Matter of fact, I feel the Holy Ghost on that. When God tells you to do something, it is possible. So even if it looks impossible, if God says do it, it is entirely possible. 
when God gives you an instruction, all you need is obedience, right? You can reshape your mind. You can rip up old ruts and create new ones. And science agrees. They used to think, this is why you can't ever just say, oh, it's the science. Science evolves. Science changes. They used to call science, the brain you have is the brain you're stuck with. In other words, the formation of your brain and all those ruts that are in it, that's the brain you're stuck with for the rest of your life. Well, they now know that's simply not true. That the brain is neuroplastic, that it is malleable, that it is shapeable, that it is regroovable. They now agree with God that your mind can literally be rewired. And they have gone a step further in their agreement with God. They now believe that to truly change someone's behavior, you've got to change their mind. They call it, listen to me, cognitive behavioral therapy. They now realize you don't change a behavior by changing a behavior. At least not a, a long pattern of behavior. They said if somebody is stuck in a rut and they continue to do the same thing over and over again, there's only one way to rescue that person from the life that they are stuck in, and that is through cognitive behavioral therapy. And what they're saying is what they do is they really help you regroove your mind. You don't change behavior. By changing behavior. In order to change behavior, you've got to change the mind. Maybe you've seen the commercials for Noom. N-O-O-M. Anybody see the commercials for Noom? Because they say. Now, I downloaded it the other day because I want to try it out. Just to see if it works. Okay? And here's what they say. They say, this is a new diet. Because it's not a diet like the old diets which basically tells you what to eat and when to eat it and how to exercise. Everybody knows what they should eat. Do you think for one moment that when I'm stuffing a cookie or a Twinkie in my face, I know, oh, this I'm supposed to be. I know I'm not supposed to be eating that. Everybody, there's not a person alive that doesn't know what you should eat and what you shouldn't eat. Right? But yet, I got to stuff them Twinkies in my face. Right? I don't even know if they make Twinkies anymore. Didn't they ban Hostess for a little while? I think Hostess has made a comeback. Thank God Hostess made a comeback. There's Twinkies in heaven, by the way. No, I'm just playing. Now listen, listen straight from their website. And, and I hope Noom, if they see this on the internet or whatever, send me a check, okay? Noom Weight is a weight loss program that helps you change your habits and your mindset around food. Rather than just focusing on what you should or shouldn't eat, like other weight loss programs, our psychology-based approach helps you change the way you think and feel about eating. Because weight loss isn't just about what you eat, but why you eat. Our goal is to help you develop sustainable habits that you'll keep for a lifetime, not just for a few months that you're on the program. Everybody knows that they should eat healthier, but most people don't understand the science behind their choices, why they make certain decisions, or why their brain craves sweets and other goodies. Now, all you skinny people looking at us, weight challenge people going, well, my, my brain don't crave that. But maybe your brain craves sadness. Maybe your brain craves aloneness. Maybe your brain craves another kind of addiction. 
maybe your brain craves abuse. Can a brain crave abuse? Yes. It's the craziest thing. I don't want to be abused. I don't want to be abused. I don't want to be abused. But I want to stay here and get abused. It's a neural pathway. And so what they are telling us is what God has told us all along. Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove or experience what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change your life by changing your mind. And don't just change it, transform it. What does this mean? It's the Greek word metamorpho. It's where we get the English word metamorphosis. What is a metamorphosis? It's how a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. By the way, when you observe a caterpillar and a butterfly, they look like two totally different things, don't they? A caterpillar is ugly. A butterfly is beautiful. A caterpillar crawls, a butterfly flies. A caterpillars are slow, butterflies are quick. Caterpillars are easy to catch, butterflies not so much. Caterpillars consume, butterflies pollinate. Why would you want to be a caterpillar if you could be a butterfly? But the truth is, they're one and the same thing, only in different forms. They are one and the same thing, only in different forms. The caterpillar goes through a metamorphosis to become a butterfly. But in the caterpillar is a butterfly waiting to emerge. What is God saying as we embark on this new year? The key to becoming everything that God has already put on the inside of you is to go through a metamorphosis. What kind of metamorphosis? In your thinking. So it's time, listen to me, to become a thought warrior and to enter the fight. It's time to enter the battle instead of not even being aware that there is a battle. There is a battle going on for your mind. As Second Corinthians 10.3 says, it is time for you to wage the right kind of war. And one of the things that we have learned from history is that you can only stand on the sidelines for too long before the fight comes to your doorstep and causes catastrophic injury that you don't want. The U.S. in World War II sat out the first few years. We said the, the fight is over there. It's, it's not impacting us until it became clear that Hitler and the axis of power would not stop and the entire world's freedom was hanging in the balance. And then the Japanese bur- uh, bombed Pearl Harbor. And then we got involved and we stormed the gates of Normandy. Friends, it's time to storm the gates of hell and become a thought warrior instead of sitting back on the shores and waiting for Pearl Harbor to show up in your marriage and in your family and in your kids and in your careers and in your churches and in your bodies. It's time. God's word for 2022 is like when you are a kid. One, two, three, four. I declare thumb war. One, two, three, four. I declare mind war. It's time that we out the enemy on his terms. Where we let the enemy know he can't have our mind anymore. Our mind is not up for him to grab through the cultural war. It is not up for him to grab through the political war. It is not up for him to grab through the pandemic war. It is not up for him to grab through the moral war. Our mind 
belongs to Almighty God. You need to become a thought warrior. You need to realize that the enemy has been exposed. And the Bible says when an enemy is caught, he has to return it sevenfold. That means this year, 2022, is your sevenfold year. It's your year of dominion. It's your year of destiny. It's your year of breakthrough. If you will allow God to help you become a thought warrior. One, two, three, four. I declare thumb war and every stronghold must come down. And every stronghold must come down. Today I told you why. Why mental health goals are perhaps the most important goals that you can set. But throughout this series, I'm going to show you how. How do you regroup? How do you create new neural pathways that put you in an automation for your life that is healthy? That puts you in an automation that creates destiny. And let me just say this in advance. If you are the typical Christian, it's going to be hard for you. Because the typical Christian wants to pray a prayer and have everything fixed. Thank God for the miraculous. Amen. Thank God God can touch you and set you free. We're not minimizing that. But here's what I know. I know that when pathways are grooved into your brain, that is going to take consistency and effort. Effort is not a bad word, by the way. Christians don't like effort. Christian, Christians like everything quick. Now Christians like church on TV only. It's laziness. And when our life gets stuck in those ruts, we've got to be willing to do what God asks us to do. Can I just say something? And I know I say this a lot, but can I just say something? Like, I understand, like, there is some, some credence to the fact that, you know, you don't want to be in the company of a lot of people when, you know, things are going around. But here's what I know. God told me to be in church. I'm like, God, you told me I got to be somewhere. God, if you told me to do something, I got to believe, God, that your hand is on me. Amen. See, this is where our neural pathways have gotten crossed up because we believe the word of the media and we believe the word of the politicians more than we will believe the word of the Lord. And the scripture is clear and it says, who shall believe my report? You can believe whatever you want to believe, but I'm telling you, the greatest way to live your life is to believe, thus saith the Lord. God's hand is on you. God's anointing is on you. God's protection is on you. But you need to walk in what God has called you to do. And it's so future weeks, we're going to teach you how. How do I get my brain in the right, right kind of shape? We're going to exercise the brain. And you ain't going to see the muscles when you look at your head, but you're going to see the muscles when you look at your life. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word, Lord, which is truth. Father, your word is truth. I just feel that strongly in my spirit. God's word is truth. Let me say it again. God's word is not opinion. God's word is not, well, I don't go along with that because that doesn't fit. God's word is truth. Anything opposed to God's word 
will send you off into a rut. God's word is truth. Truth you know shall set you free. Let's bow our heads and let's pray as we close this service out. Maybe you're here today and, and you need your mind to be set free. Some of you know it, some of you don't. You need your mind to be set free. If that's you, just hold your hands up to heaven. This is your, this is your starting place. God, I need my mind to be set free. I need my mind to be set free. Hallelujah. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, you don't know if you were to die this moment or this second where you'd spend eternity, but you want to have, you want Him to rescue you from your sin. You want to get right with God. How do I know if I'm right with God, Pastor? If you were to die this moment or this second, are you sure you'd spend eternity in heaven? If you're not, you need Jesus to save your soul. If you're here today and that's you, put your hand up. Just do it real quick. We're going to pray. Hallelujah. If you're at home, if you're watching on television, if you're in your kitchen, if you're in your slippers, if you're in your robe, if you got your coffee, if you've only been half listening, but now you're fully listening, if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, hold your hands up. I want to pray for people who raise their hands on either one of those things. Let's pray right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you. We thank you, Jesus. Your whole purpose in coming to earth was to save us, to set us free. Set us free, first of all, Lord, in our spirits so that we can become right with you and we can have eternal life. Father, we could be saved from the penalty of our sin, which is separation from you for all of eternity in a place called hell, never designed for us so we could have the promise of eternal life in the place called heaven. And Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I pray for these people who have surrendered their life to you and said, I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior. For the benefit of those that are doing that may not be here, but maybe online, say this out loud with me. Heavenly Father, I surrender my life to you. I repent of my sins, and I make Jesus the Lord of my life. I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. If you raised your hand because your mind needs to be set free, hold your hands back up. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray today is the beginning of new pathways. Father, your word, oh, I love it. Your word is a lamp onto my path and a light onto my feet. Father, thank you, Lord, for creating new pathways in people's lives, pathways of success and victory, pathways for them to experience your will for their life, which is good, which is perfect, and which is acceptable. And Lord, for that, we'll give you all of the glory and all of the praise. And everybody said, amen. Happy 2020, everybody. We love you. We'll see you again next week.